How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through the book of James. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to James chapter 4. We are at verse 10. And again, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that uh, to our next study or to the end of the uh, broadcast, if possible, we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. And with that as well, um, just FYI, uh, there will be no broadcast tomorrow, Saturday. There'll be no broadcast tomorrow on Saturday. That's uh, January 6th. Uh, uh, we have to drive into the city, so uh, we have to leave early in the morning. So unfortunately, we can't be uh, doing a regular broadcast Saturday, January 6th. So just want to let you know in case you're wondering. Uh, but uh, we're going to dive into this here in James chapter 4. And again, folks, uh, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. As we're working through James and we see the, the context of what he's talking about here, again, the, uh, the, the address is discipleship and Christ-likeness. This is not talking about salvation. We need to really, really emphasize this. I've already been... Uh, discussing this with a few people this morning already over on instagram some folks keep chiming in well james chapter 2 james chapter 2 every time i'm talking about salvation by grace through faith but belief alone they have to just chime in well what about james chapter 2 and i just keep telling them that uh, james is written to christians who are already saved and he's talking about charity and christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith not maintenance of salvation i just copy paste that constantly uh, so many people are so messed up on the context of james this is why you need to learn how to study your bible not just read it because otherwise you're just going to be parroting the narrative of the uninformed so we got to know what we're actually talking about the difference between reading the bible and actually studying it so again we're going to be using the three points of the christian faith three points of bible study which are interpretation application demonstration interpretation is the what the what of the narrative what it's specifically saying the narrative of the text the idea of what's going on what's being said the the base reading uh, reading your bible then you back up go again through it slowly taking a look at how it's being said the specific words and the pictures and the images and uh, doing the word studies what do the words mean and then where else in the word of god uh, does it talk about this learning how to apply scripture with scripture rightly dividing the word of truth application as as of the what the interpretation there's only one there's only one interpretation of the word of god and that is what it says what it says is what it means and then you look at application, which there are multiple applications. It could be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially, and so on. And all this for the third and final point, demonstration, which is the why. Why is this important? Why should I go about doing this way? It, and uh, to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. So there you go. So with that, we're going to be applying this system uh, to our study here on James chapter 4, picking up at verse 10. 
And if you haven't seen it, I put up a, an additional video yesterday on discussing covenant versus contract as a video that I did live over on Instagram. Uh, to talk to people there uh, about this very thing that we're talking about here is uh, what salvation is and what it is not. And we talked about the James uh, conundrum and what the Bible actually teaches on grace. So uh, if you want more information about how to go about explaining this kind of thing, please check out that video. It's discussing covenant versus contract. All right, so with that, uh, grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, come join us at the table as we dive into the Word of God at uh, James chapter 4, verse 10. Time to study the Word of God. Yeah, my coffee's been really good since Christmas because my in-laws got me some hazelnut coffee. So I don't even need to add sugar. <laughs> going to be hard going back to regular black <laughs> okay all right james chapter four now picking up where we left off uh, as we see uh, james is talking to individuals in the church brethren again the context brethren and he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about Christ-likeness. He's talking about usage, God being able to use you and being able to use you as instruments of his, of his faith, of his ways. And how we can get in the way and we can muddy the waters and we can complicate things by our own fleshly wills, by our own fleshly lusts. And we've gone over that in great detail yesterday. And we see in verse 10 about humility, about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. And as we see in verse 10, another variant of that very verse, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. That exaltation is by the hand of God, by the power of God alone, that we don't exalt ourselves. As scripture also says, let another man's mouth praise thee and not thine own mouth. And we don't boast ourselves. We don't brag about ourselves. It's not about us or in, in any way, shape, or form. It's about the Lord. That he gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the whole limelight. And we don't set it on ourselves in, in any way. That we must die to self. We decrease. That he can increase. It's all about him. Nothing about us. And we went over this in great detail yesterday. At many different angles. If you want to know more about that, please check out uh, Resist the Devil and He Will Flee, Chapter 4, Part 1. But as we see, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Now, and again, even in this, the language of this, do, do you hear it? The, the, the specific nature of what this verse is saying. Do, do you hear it? You see, in studying apologetics and knowing how to debate topics and things and being able to teach stuff and all this kind of thing, you got to learn to... Uh, read between the lines and not so much as listening to what the other is saying but listening and examining where it's coming from learning to truly scrutinize and interrogate the very context so as we see here humble yourselves in the sight of the lord not the sight of man you hear that humble yourselves in the sight of the lord just like Jesus is talking about, about prayer, about going into your closet, shutting the door and praying to your father in secret. 
not and not openly and all this you know, to draw attention like the Pharisees. So j- just in this way as well, humility is in the sight of the Lord. Not the not it's not anyone else's business. It's not anyone else's business. And if if you are going about to try to publicly humble yourself in this way again i bring in the examples of the cults like the orthodox church the catholic church and 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 other systems where 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 they publicly degrade themselves or or pull themselves down and when they 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 do open shows of humility open shows of all this to try to draw attention make themselves look holy in the eyes of others we're not to do that we're not to do that so we see that sincerity in all these things before the lord in humility it's a private thing and it's of the heart not the hands it's about a focus on spiritual fruit not physical fruit is the physical fruit is the byproduct of the spiritual fruit you understand this you understand this we must understand the difference the dichotomy between physical fruit and spiritual fruit you can't maintain your spiritual fruit by focusing on the physical because any dog and his brother can do good stuff that's not the thing but true fruit comes from the lord and it and all physical is a byproduct of the spiritual fruits of the holy spirit of god uh, we see in, in is it galatians 5 is it galatians 5 uh, where the the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance so this is what we focus on is the attributes the characteristics the personality of the person god it's not about us so we need to really understand the personality of christ that that the faith is a person not a system the faith is a person not a system The faith is a person, not a religion, not a denomination, not a system. So it's humility in treatment of a person, how we approach the Lord. And this is where a lot of people really go askew on uh, all of their twistings of the faith, their twistings of worship, where they worship the act of worship more than they worship God, as to them, it's all about feelings and sensations, their rituals, their trinkets, and all the rest of their robes and their beads and everything else. That's not faith. That's not Christianity. That's not of God. That has nothing to do with born-again Christianity. Born-again Christianity is a person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I said yesterday, The Lord doesn't care. He doesn't care. Whether it's the robes of Solomon or the camel skin of John the Baptist. To him, it's not about the outward appearance. It's not about the outward show. It's not about the outward religiosity. It's about the belief in the faith, the love of the heart. That's what the Lord looks at. That's what he cares about. This This is what pleases him when it comes from the heart, not the hands. Otherwise, you're going to be much like Cain. As you see, where where the Lord rejected the sacrifice of Cain, the works of of his labor and the works of his hands, the fruit of his hands, he accepted the sacrifice of Abel, which is just simple loving obedience. Simple loving obedience. 
Abel just did what the Lord said. Okay, and that's what pleased the Lord. Just keeping it simple. Just you, you, you be yourself with the Lord just out of the heart in love, loving, honor, and respect of him. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, which is reverential and holy worship and respect. To respect the Lord enough that you just listen to what he says. And you don't muddy the waters with your own opinions and feelings. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So we look at verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Humble yourselves inside the Lord. Now, we've got to ask the question then, what would that look like to you, to you, in your eyes, in your life, in your home, in, 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 in your walk with the Lord, what would that look like? Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the faith of the heart, you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. What does that look like? Now, how can I carry that with me through the day? into every day that every day is like this how how can i live in humility before god walking in humility before god in honor and respect of him second chronicles seven fourteen. if my people which are called by my name should humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land so but what does that look like you see, people try to achieve this by maintaining the physical. Well, if I just restrict uh, my entertainments and all this stuff, and you start focusing on your entertainments, your music, your clothing, and your uh, your works and your deeds, and at work, at home, no, 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 no. You see, it's similar to revival. You may have heard me say it before, so... Where does revival start? Can someone tell me in the comments? Where does revival start? Where does revival start? Anyone got any ideas? Simply, where does it start? And yes, uh, <laughs> uh, Doki, yes, I'm trying to stay warm. It's quite cold this morning. Yes, uh, as Adoka here says, the heart. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. So revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. Revival starts with you, in your heart, in your attitude, in your faith, in your treatment, in your outlook, the, the, the way, you, way you view and believe the Lord. Humility is dying to self. You see, like the one saying I saw by, what was it, uh, Leonard Ravenhill? says, everybody wants power, but nobody wants to cast off the flesh. And it's so true. It's about, it's about learning to oppose yourself, fight yourself. It's learning to, to resist your own personal nature of the fleshly nature, sinful nature. And now we have to throw in here, not because you have to, you understand you don't have to. You don't have to do anything except believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to go to heaven. Uh, you have to do that to get to heaven. But I'm talking about in discipleship and Christ likeness. You understand that following the Lord and all these things is not a have to, it's not a mandatory requirement. Rather, it's a want to. 
Do you understand the difference between have to and want to? So you see that that in following the Lord, we do so because as Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Out of love, out of the abundance of the heart, of the love of the heart, you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? What does that look like? To love the Lord Jesus Christ, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what would that look like? So you see that humility and love of the Lord is an attitude of the heart. It's a change of being. It's your entire focus and concentration. Your entire life is changed and, and altered in love of Jesus Christ. So humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So we, so we seek to decrease that he may increase in our lives. And as he increases, he blesses us because of our faithfulness, because of our faithfulness, because of our sincere and honest love and fervor of the Lord. He lifts us up. He gives us more responsibilities. He, he gives us more to do. He uh, guides us more, instructs us more, and he pours upon us more blessing in this because he sees that what we're doing is seeking to exalt him. So he gives us more of an abundance and more of a way to exalt him in this world. That's what exaltation is for. Not, not for my own notoriety, but his. Because the Lord sees that you're not going to make it about you. There you go. Because the Lord sees that you're not going to make it about you, but rather about him. That's why he pours more upon you so that you can boast more about him. So you can bring more attention to him because you're not going to get in the way. And the Lord sees that you are uh, dependable in that way, that the, that the Lord can trust you. He can trust you to keep it simple, trust you to keep it about him, trust you to die to self. That, that if you are even tempted, you will fall in repentance of this because you see that that's not what you want. But rather what you truly of heart want is what he wants, and that is to make it about him. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Please, please let me know if that makes sense. So you see what the cults do, what false religions do, is they switch this around. Because going back to the very beginning, as we see where, where Satan tempted Eve to make it about her. You shall be as God. So the temptation to exalt yourself, to make it about yourself, that you have power, you have ability, you're a God, or or the attention is shared with God and you, that, that, uh, that you are a part of the focus. That's what the cults do, is they make you a part of the focus. The works-based salvationists. The works-based salvationists, where they say, well, no, it's not by faith alone. It's by faith plus works. They're making it about them. Look what I did to get here. Look what I did to get here. That's directly what Ephesians says. Lest any man shall boast. If, if, if salvation is hinged upon my works, then I have therewith to boast. 
You see that? And I butt out of the words, I believe it's DL Moody. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's DL Moody who said that I am so glad salvation's by grace alone and not by works because I don't want to sit around heaven for a million years listening to everyone brag about how they got there. <laughs> That's true. All right, so we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So it just, just as in salvation, as salvation itself, by grace through faith alone, it's all of him. He did all the work. It is finished. His atonement, his cross, his blood, it's all of him. And we come to the cross and we humble ourselves before the Lord, seeing that there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. It's all of him. We humble ourselves under Christ for salvation. Right? Right? Someone say right. Someone say amen. We humble ourselves under Christ for salvation. Why wouldn't it be the same same method for discipleship for the rest of the story? We humble ourselves under the Lord for everything else too. Right? So just as salvation is by grace through faith, by belief alone, by simple belief unto salvation, the rest of the faith is by simple belief. We're saved by grace for salvation. It's by grace for the rest of the story. So you see, God doesn't change. His, his means don't change. We're the ones that change it. We're the ones that change it. Because... As I've talked about before, we we are ritualistic beings that we desire and long for some kind of mystical system, rituals and traditions that I need traditions, I need rituals, I need some mystic formula uh, to to bring about the changes and the, the occasions where we even bring this into our prayers that, uh, that, uh, that it, this idea, this sense that if I haven't done enough for God, then he won't answer my prayers. When we turn the faith into a barter system, that, that, that if I do enough good works for God, he'll answer my prayers. It's, it's this mystic barter system. That's not how it works. But that's not how it works. It's by grace through faith for answered prayer. By grace through faith for blessing. By grace through faith for guidance. By grace through faith for protection. By grace through faith for everything. That's, that's God's system. By grace through faith alone. We don't deserve answered prayers. But he answers them anyways. We don't deserve protection. He protects us anyways. We don't deserve eternal security. He gives it anyways. We don't deserve all, all the, the help and the guidance of God, but he gives it anyways. It's by grace through faith. The Christian faith is not a barter system. It, it's not a worldly religion of rituals and traditions to earn and gain and maintain favor of God. This is what it means to humble yourself is to, to humble yourself is to strip any idea, to strip any idea that you have power. I have no power. 
as the word of God says, it says, uh, do we have power to change one hair of our head? Do we have even power to, to alter our height? Do we have power to do anything? We have no power. We're clay. We're clay. And so therefore we bow to the Lord. We bow to his difference. We bow to his will. We bow to his nature. We bow to his, his guidance, to his favor. We bow to him because he has all power and there's no power but of God. That is what it means to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. To give way to him. To stop trying to alter the outcome of ourselves. To, that where we are obsessed with having to make plans. We are obsessed with having to try to figure out and fix the outcome. We're obsessed with having to try to figure out how to make ourselves better, get, get more money or alter this or figure this problem out and, and to uh, accept and solve this challenge. But to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord is to back off and say, Lord, it's all yours. We cast our care upon the Lord. I'm not the one that makes the plans. Like, I, like, actually, I, I myself, I don't make plans for anything. I don't. Because I know, I know myself. I know what I'm like. And I, I obsess easy. In my own personal natures, I obsess very easily. And so I, I just... Quite a while back, I, I came to the to the decision that, you know, from now on, I'm not even going to make plans. Nope, I don't make plans. Other people say, what, what do you want? You want to plan for this? I'm like, I don't, sorry, I don't make plans. Uh, as uh, I live each day like it's my last and I give it all to the Lord and I ask his permission. I ask his permission. I ask his permission to go here, do this, do that, or whatever else, I ask him and I seek his guidance because I don't want to get in the way. And I don't do this for self-proclamation or anything. I'm not blowing my own horn or any of that kind of thing. I'm just saying, look, this is just me. I don't make plans. I, I live in the moment. I live in the moment. Because if I don't, I'll exclude God. I'll exclude the Lord. When I start to become the decision maker, I exclude God. So it happens every time. Because I don't have infinite wisdom. Clearly. I don't have all knowledge. I have no power. I'm not God. I am not a God. I don't know everything and I can make mistakes. I can make the wrong plans. I can make the wrong choices. I can decide the wrong thing. I could go the wrong way. And the Lord knows everything. So I defer to him. I defer to him. I give it over to him. And this is what we're called to do. We are all called to do this to keep it simple. The disciples didn't call the shots. Christ did. The disciples didn't tell Jesus where to go. He told them where to go. The disciples didn't figure out how to solve things and help people all this. They deferred to Christ. It's all up to him. It's all about him. We get none of the glory. We get none of the glory. We get none of the praise. It's all for him, none for us. 
We we are the the ones working behind the scenes. He gets the limelight, he gets the stage. We're all behind the scenes. But again, it's his show. He he gives us a job to do. He gives us a place to stand. He gives us words to say. He gives us guidance and we carry it out while he's on the stage. He's the focus. This is what it's supposed to be. We don't share the limelight. We don't share the limelight. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So then we got to also take a look at this, that what happens if we don't? Now, we looked at this yesterday. We're going to go over this one more time. In Obadiah, go back to Obadiah, Old Testament, to the clean pages of your Bible. <laughs> I don't know who said that. It was years ago I heard a preacher say that says, okay, everybody turn back to the white pages of your Bible. That's the clean pages because no one ever reads there. In Obadiah, we see a passage here, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 4. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 4. Look at this. Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle. So we see that a self-exaltation can occur. And this is where, where we don't give God all the focus. We don't give God all the focus and we don't uh, and we don't give him all the power to make the choices. We are exalting ourselves as the decision makers. Right? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, or even in positions of self-pride, like we talked about yesterday, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, we create our own life. We create our own life. Thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Now who's he talking to? So, we got to be mindful of this, about creating our own lives. Now, you may have plans of what you want to do, what you want to achieve, where you want to go, what you want to gain, and, and all the rest of this. You may have ideas for your own life, but is that your plan, or is that God's? Is that what you want, or is that what he wants? But what if, perhaps, just saying, what if the Lord has a different plan for you? And you're fighting against his will. Because we can do that. We can sear our conscience. We can resist his will. We, we can go and do our own thing. Being born again Christians, we can decide our own way. What if the Lord has a different plan for you? Did you ever think to ask him? Did you ever think to ask him properly because many times what we do is we wind up asking the lord but we don't wait long enough for an answer so we can say that we did ask him but we didn't wait long enough to get an answer because we're afraid of the answer this thing um uh, which book did i read that was obadiah chapter 1 verse 4 obadiah chapter 1 verse 4 so we see that humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord is giving God the respect enough to take the lead, take the charge of our lives completely. That in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. Even in our diet, even in our fellowship. You know, this is something to consider. Something to consider. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. 
right, let's move on. Verse 11, speak not evil of another brethren. Now, again, who is James talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the saints. He's talking to brethren. And we see that these ones that James is addressing, there is an awful lot of infighting and wars going on in the churches. And James is hearing of wars and rumors of wars within the faith. And this happens. And this is where the the, the worldly individuals, the atheists and the cultists, all of them who fight against Christians, accuse us of this. And say, well, that's, that's proof and evidence that our, our religion, our faith is false. No, all because stupid people do stupid things that doesn't invalidate the existence of God. Wherever there's people, there's going to be problems. You see this in every belief system, every religious system around the world. It's because people are fallible. People make mistakes. We do stupid things. We sometimes start exalting ourselves. And this is where it starts to come in. And... Uh, but in this, we got to be careful not to grow in bitterness. As the word of God says, to allow no root of bitterness. No root of bitterness to, to well up within you. Speak not evil one of another. Render not evil for evil. Speak evil of no man. Love your enemies and all the rest of that. And as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. And on and on. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now again, to speak evil is to speak a form of condemnation, to say that this person is accursed, that this person is judged as wrong. Well, who are you to judge? Who are you to make the final decision like this? I thought we were supposed to judge righteously. Right, judging righteously, not judging fleshly. Now, how, how do we judge righteously then? Because, you see here, to, to speak evil of, to, to curse, to condemn in that, that manner, that we are setting ourselves in the position as the final say, as the hand of God, as the judge, the ruler. I decided you are wrong, you are accursed. No. No. We're not the ones that do that. The word of God does. He does, not us. We are not the judge. We are not the jury. We are not the executioner. All right? We're not even the bailiff. So we have nothing to do with the court of God. All, all that we do is after the sentence has been given, we just, we, we just repeat what the judge has said. So we take the word of God, which has judged already, and the word of God, which has judged already, and we just repeat the words. We don't make the decisions. Speak not evil one of another. So if you see your brother which is in fault, what, what are we supposed to do? As the word of God teaches, what are we supposed to do? If you see your brother in fault, you're supposed to go to them in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. As if it's to treat him as a brother, not as an enemy, as the word of God says. And treat him as a brother, not as an enemy. Regardless of how how you disagree with them or what they've done, you don't want to tear them down. Are you trying to win the soul or win the argument? And as one preacher once said, the born-again Christian army is the only army that shoots its wounded. We're supposed to go, go to them and uphold them in encouragement and pray for them and, and intercede for them and to help them and guide them back to the way of righteousness. 
That's what we're supposed to do. And we're not supposed to fight and bicker and argue, but rather hold conversation and discourse. Talk about things properly as brethren of Christ. That's how we're supposed to go about it. So as you see, speak, if we speak evil of one another, we're speaking evil of the law because the law says not to do that. And thus, by our speaking evil and judging one another in that manner, we are going against and being contrary to the law of God. That's what that's saying. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. You think you're carrying out the law, but rather you're cursing the law by your behavior. There you go. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now, that's interesting language. We'll come to that in a moment. But rather, I want to go over to Matthew chapter 7. Just for a quick moment. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 1 to 2. Let's look at this. We just need to go over this one more time. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2. Now, again, nowhere, nowhere in the word of God does it say, judge not, period. Nowhere does it say that. It says, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. In Matthew 7, 24, is it? Nope. Um... Uh, the verse that, that I want to share, I just I can't remember how it goes. Never mind. But anyways, as we see, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. How you judge others is how you will be judged in return. And if it's not by others, it'll be by God. So it's very similar to uh, uh, whatever, whatsoever ye sow, so shall ye reap. Is that standard of whatever you cast out will return to you again. This is where this comes from. This is what the Lord says. And, and with what measure you meet out, however you measure out in your treatment of others, it shall be measured to you again. That's what the word of God says. So we got to be very careful how we go about uh, carrying out the faith because the Lord is fair and he is known by the judgment which he executes. And if you are mistreating others, the Lord's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with you. So we, as we see here, the standard is Christ's likeness. You take a look at how Jesus Christ carried out judgment, how he carried out these things, and he left us an example by constantly, constantly, thus saith the Lord. This is how even Jesus Christ dealt with Lucifer, thus saith the Lord. He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture for everything. He left us this this example of the word of God is our go-to knee-jerk reaction in all things. Whatever the word of God says, what does scripture say? What does scripture say? And you've heard that as example. Whenever someone asks me a question or whenever doing Q&As and whatnot, is I always say, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? I challenge you to watch your words and, and try as much as you possibly can to never say, I think, I feel, I believe, well, my thoughts, and try never ever to refer to your own opinions. Try as hard as you can that no matter what the situation, circumstance is, what does the Bible say? 
and refer and defer to the word of God as your sole authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. I'm telling you, they'll really help you. And the Lord will lift you up. Speak not evil uh, one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. For if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Look at this. Verse 12. Verse 12. Who art thou that judgest another? Who art thou that judgest another? Who do you think you are to put yourself in the position as judge? Now, some people throw into this category using the word of God to judge sin. You see, using the word of God to judge sin is not you judging sin, but God. That's what the liberal, the progressive doesn't understand this. They don't, they don't get this aspect. And thus... Trigger warning, this video contains proper biblical content that progressives will find offensive. So we see, using the word of God to judge, to call the shots, to show the difference between the holy and the profane, is righteous judgment. As we are called to judge righteous judgment, as Jesus says. And, and only God is righteous, only his word is righteous, so using what he says, his decree, what, what he has given us, his standard is righteous. Like, for example, we talk about, uh, let's just say lying. Well, what about white lies, all this kind of thing, and, or someone lies and you say, well, uh, the, the Bible says thou shalt not lie. Who are you to judge? Judge not. I'm not hurting anybody. It's just a white lie. I didn't judge God says, thou shalt not lie. All liars have the place in the lake of fire. So you see God's, God's view upon lying, regardless of what it is. There's no such thing as a white lie with the Lord. The Lord says all lying is accursed and is sin. I'm not judging. God is. But we also see that we, uh, we got to be careful of taking the measurement of God's judgment, of God's law, and then we are the emphasis Know what I mean by this? Where, it were, like the example I gave, where I say, um, the Bible says thou shalt not lie, because uh, all lies have the place in the lake of fire. You see, this, the way I'm presenting it, I'm, I'm just sharing what the Word of God says. I'm just repeating what the Lord says. But I can take what the Lord says, and I can put myself in, in the position of authority by being the emphasis. You, should, you shouldn't be lying. That, that's wrong. That's a curse of God. And God's going to judge you. And you are in danger of God. And you need to... You see what happens there. I just switched positions from being one that just shares it to being the judge in, in possession of the Word of God. The way that we present the Word of God will also reflect on this, as it says, about how we are judges of the law. I'm not the judge of law. I'm a sharer of. I'm a sharer of the law. He's the authority. He's the judge. He's the whole court. I'm just repeating what he has decreed. I'm not the judge and I'm not one that can pass judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I, am I clear on this? Please let me know if I'm muddying the waters here at all. I want to make sure that I, I'm very clear on this. So like I was saying, 
our attitude in this, our presentation of this, how, how we present ourselves to others, to brethren and to the world is very important, is very important. That all people are made in the image of God and God wants all people to be saved. And as he brought it down as grace through faith, we must make sure to, to emphasize grace and faith in all that we do. Grace and faith in how we present the law. Grace and faith in how we present judgment. Grace and faith in salvation. And to each other, grace and faith in upholding and encouraging and edifying and bearing one another's burdens in grace and faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. The whole rest of discipleship is grace through faith. You want to be a faithful disciple? Become obsessed with grace through faith in everything. Okay? So with this, talking about different systems and how they go about it. And you see in, in the, the cults is very hard-handed and they are in the position of authority. They are the judges. They're the call, callers of, of what's right, what's wrong. And they have power. They complicate the system. They replace the authority of God. They replace the authority of God with their feelings, with their power, with their rituals, with their traditions and all of this. That they even have power to forgive. They have power to absolve. They have power to, to, to decide your very fate. That, that's a cult and that has nothing to do with the Lord. That is so far, so far from what the Lord has decreed, what the Lord has given. It, it's insane. It's insane. And so with this, there's uh, something I'd like to share with you <clears throat> that I wrote up this morning, kind of related to this. Now, it remind, reminds me of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Where you had all of Israel wondering who was the true God. Because they've been lied to for so long, misled for so long, that they had, aren't, aren't sure what is truth anymore. And we have all of the prophets of Baal. Now, they weren't just crazed like, uh, like California crystal fairy wannabe people uh, <laughs> but these are actual prophets of Baal a powerful devil and these guys could actually work lying signs and wonders and false miracles these guys are very powerful you need to understand this is what's going on so there is a presentation of power with them there's not not just a, you know superstition but actual power the prophets of Baal and then you got Elijah all alone against 400 prophets of Baal. The false prophets of Baal, the witches of Baal, and all of them on Mount Carmel. Which is the true God? And so, and so they go into the, the God off. And they're going to have the battle. They see whose God can bring down fire as a manifestation of the true God. And they're talking about different systems and rituals and religions is something I just wanted to share. Called Ballad of Prophets Fire. <laughs> Elijah shakes his head at what's before him, recalling all that has passed. Crazed priests dancing before the prophet, the order that Jezebel had amassed. Dancing and cutting to earn Baal's favor, unbridled religion's true fray. 
devils replacing the faith of the Lord, enforcing their own twisted way. The chaos ensued a religious insanity, causing the prophet to scoff, laughing and mocking their crazed fervor. No, neither any respect will Elijah doff. Chanting and screaming all their own feelings, thinking their noise will attract, Ignorance begs their worshipful chaos, Elijah now mocking with no tact. Robes and trinkets with sacrifices and tradition, their system ordered by devil's decree. But systems without God and his holy word leads only to the old pit fiery. Hours pass in still silence, their God missing or asleep. Their imagined God hard of hearing, ball incapable of making a peep. Elijah stands and calls the multitudes to order, while the lunatic prophets collapse. The prophet of God in simplicity calls out, God his promise won't lapse. No dance or crazed chant comes from Elijah, no fancy robes or bribing charms. In simple faith he kneels and prays, worship so simple and without harm. Building an altar in the old way, as God instructed in days of old, with the sacrifice the Lord has taught us, and prayer a simple conversation as we're told. No screaming or crazed noise he utters, just words sincere from his heart. No need to try to get God's attention, for he's always with us and will never depart. All who call on the name of the Lord will be answered, faith rewarded his eternal decree. His fire consumes the altar, for only God's fire can truly free. For simple faith is all that God desires, relation only by His grace. And only devils will try to complicate faith, but with God there are no other ways. The Lord, He is God, the multitudes now cry out, God's fire baptizes the sky. Crazed prophets crying in terror, for false worship's judgment is nigh. These guys much like many of the people today in many different denominations and systems trying to earn god's favor by crazed song dance ritual tradition beads crystals rituals magic all this other kind of stuff talking uh, in insane jibber jabber flintstone noise making and thrashing around on the ground and thinking that that's the presence of god But as we see, as James is calling us to remembrance again, like Elijah showed the people back then, simplicity. Simplicity in a person. Simplicity in a person. You don't have to earn his favor. You don't have to earn his attention. He's right here, right right here beside you, talking to you, and you can talk to him in, as, as a normal person. And that's what he desires. As salvation is simple, so is the whole rest of discipleship. We're the ones that complicate it. But by the, by the inspiration of the minds of devils, we complicate it. Thinking that, well, God doesn't like me. He doesn't love me anymore because I'm not doing X, Y, Z. And I'm not maintaining this and keeping this. So God doesn't want me anymore. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. Well, I keep this, keep this, keep this, and I'm loved of God. No, you're not. God resists the proud. God resists the proud. 
Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. As we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord before the cross, understanding that it's nothing of us, it's all of him, and we are saved by simple grace through faith. The whole rest of discipleship in Christ's likeness is by simple grace through faith. And we're all on the same level and the same platform, all equal in the eyes of God. This is what James is trying to get across. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the simplicity of relationship with the Lord. And who do you think you are to complicate is what James is saying. That's what he's saying. Where we can't make the choices. We have no power. We don't call the shots as we've already gone over. As we see now in verse 13. Verse 13. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy, sell, and get gain. You that say that you can make the shots, you can make the plans. Who do you think you are? How? how what What gives gives you the thought, the idea that you have power to choose? Let's go to Romans 14 just for a moment. Romans 14. Romans 14, verse 4. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Who do you think you are to think that you can call the shots? That you're the judge. Look at this. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. We are all God's servant. We're all God's servant. God holds us up. God casts us down. God calls the shots. God is our master. You're not my master. I'm not your master. Nobody is anyone else's master. And just as Jesus says, call no man master or rabbi or Lord, for there's only one. There's only one father, one Lord, one master, one ruler, and that is the Lord God, Jesus Christ. No one else is the authority. No one else is the authority. There are those that are put in positions of teaching, of instruction, pastors and teachers and whatnot, but they are not the authority. The word of God is the authority. And if someone is reading from the authority and the and what is said touches the heart, touches the mind, you better listen to the authority, which is not the reader, but the words not the reader but the author the author is the authority not the reader who art thou that judges another man's servant to his own master he stands or falls yea he shall be holding up for god is able to make him stand and also being careful like i talked about yesterday about about presuming our own thoughts and ideas in this because well god is able to use people i don't agree with how do you know that you are in the right? Let's just ask that question. How do you know you're right? How do I know I'm right? Well, I can't know. As the word of God says, if any man thinks he knoweth anything, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Nobody knows what is right, what is wrong. Only God does. We have to trust what he says. 
I trust, as he says in his word, as like this, for example, like salvation, he says it's by grace through faith. I trust him in this because that's what he says, and God cannot lie. He calls the shots. He's the one that, that uh, tells us the difference between the right and the wrong. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And going back to about the idea of making plans, thinking that I have, have the ability to decide my fate. I have the ability to decide my outcome, decide my fate and all of this. Really? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That's why it's called accidents, not on purposes. You got up this morning, you had plans for the day, you had plans for the rest of the week that on this day you want to go shopping, and on this day you want to go to your friend, on this day you want to go do this, on this day you want to go do that. You scheduling your vacations, whatever else. Today could be your last day. You ever think about that just for a moment? Like really actually think about this one. Today could be your last day. You may only have 10 minutes left. Now it really starts to hit home. This is what it's about. Humbling ourselves in the mighty hand of God and serving the Lord in fear and trembling while it is called today. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. You look at a tombstone. You got the birth date, death date, and the dash in between. Everybody's dash is the same. You have no idea what can happen. Fall down the stairs, hit by a car, choke on a chicken bone, or who knows what, heart attack, stroke, who knows what. That's Life's uncertain. That's the power of sin, and that's what happens. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment that what we desire to do is to serve the Lord in our every capacity because I want to do what I can for the Lord while I'm able. Because I want to, not because I have to. Because I want to, not because I have to. I have no idea how long I have. I have no idea how long I'm going to live. Uh, this coming March, I'm going to be 40. <laughs> I'm going to be 40. I, I can't believe it. I'm going to be 40. I remember when I was five. As clear as day, I remember when I was five years old, standing in my, my, my old house, when I was five years old, playing at the toys. I remember that as clear as day. Where did the time go? Where did the time go? And we're going to be saying the same thing when it comes that that time. And all of a sudden, we're going to see our life flash before our eyes. And we're going to say, where did the time go? I had so many plans. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to do this for God. I had plans to be able to go out and witness. I was going to. I was going to. I was going to. I was planning to. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy, sell, and get gain. For as you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Get yourself right with the Lord. Make the crooked way straight. Stop making plans and just do it. Procrastination is, say, is saying, 
I don't care about God's plan. Procrastinating is saying, I don't care about God's timetable. Procrastination is shoving off things of God is apathy of the Lord. Stop making plans to do it and just do it. Go serve the Lord. Go tell your neighbor because maybe today's their last day and you, you won't get an opportunity to witness to them. Think about this. Your life is a vapor. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Every day is given by sheer merciful grace because God has decreed it so. You have no power over your life. You could live as healthy as you possibly can, eating right, drinking right, exercise, proper diets, proper sleep, the whole nine, nine yards, you could die young. The Lord calls the shots of when you're going to live, when you're going to die. Who do you think you are to obsess over your death, obsess over your life, to obsess over your power, thinking you, you can affect it, that you can manipulate it, that you can call the shots, that you can make the plans, that you can schedule it. Who are you to call what is right, what is wrong in anything? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Give yourself to the Lord. He'll tell you how to go about it. He'll tell you how to live right. He'll show you what to do. He'll show you where to go. Or are you afraid of that? Or is that, is that the issue? Is that you are afraid of where he's going to lead you? What, you think he's going to lead you somewhere wrong? Or is it just that you don't want to give up control? That you want to keep and maintain some form of control. Because that's the way it's always been in your life. You've, you've always had control. You have always kept and controlled and manipulated and planned and schemed and worked and fretted and sweated and bled over it. That you have, you have forged and crafted your life and you don't want to let go. You will hold on to some form of control with a death grip. That's pride. That is sheer, unadulterated pride. That's all that that is. Thinking that you had anything to do with it at all. Because if it's not God crafting your life, it's someone else and it ain't you. Just saying. Whereas you know not what should be on the morrow, we also take this and we use this regularly also in witnessing and evangelism. Talking to people out on the street, I'm a, I'm a street preacher. Very animated and loud. I was up in one city one time a couple years back and I was doing some street preaching way up north. We were on vacation. I took my, my, uh, my uh, street signs with me that they're A-frames big gospel posts on them and set them up in the street we're in this one town lakefield i believe it was the name of the city and my dad came with me and i'm standing there my bible uh, on the street corner right down the town center right in the middle of town busiest part of town traffic like crazy and i'm just bellowing it out 
my dad was a a, cu a couple intersections down he was walking up and down the sidewalk and out tracks he was a couple intersections down he says he could hear me as clear as day my voice just reverberating off the buildings i have one of those voices i don't need a microphone i don't need a microphone anyways but the point is i'm t I, t I use this passage all the time and telling people about about you know boast not thyself of tomorrow you have no idea what your life life has in store you have no idea when your time's gonna come your life's a vapor you may be planning for a deathbed confession you may not get it young people die all the time car accidents strokes heart attacks whatever else it happens you have no idea life's uncertain life's uncertain get yourself right with the lord now believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and believe in thy heart that god has raised it from the dead thou shalt be saved this is what the word of god says and and, and equally for the saints get yourself right with the lord don't plan to tomorrow well, i'm gonna wait till sunday i'm gonna wait to this and or whatever no right where you are right here right now between you and god get yourself right with the lord you have no idea today may be your last day you may not get your birthday you may not get tomorrow you may not make it to the end of the week get yourself right with the lord shed the flesh and pride and self humble yourself in the mighty hand of god rejoice in the spirit rejoice unto the lord praise the lord jesus christ give yourself over to the lord repent of taking it back in your own effort and your own strength making it about you repent of your pride your arrogance and all the rest of this get yourself right with the lord be baptized in his grace and faith and joy. Give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop trying to figure out your own plans of your own life, of your own ways. Give your life over to the Lord. Forsake all. Follow him. Do you not, do you not understand what that means? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Well, I was going to plan on this day to go out and witness. Do it today. There may be someone out there today that needs to hear it. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanishes away. And vanishes away in so many different contexts when you really meditate on that phrase. When you meditate on that phrase and it vanishes away, there's so many different meanings. What one that terrifies most people is vanishes away as being... You will be forgotten. In 10 years, most family will go long periods of time without even remembering you. 20 years, most people will have forgotten you. 50 years, nearly everybody will have forgotten you. 100 years, you're gone into oblivion. You are nothing. I am nothing. The work of God is everything. How will people remember you? You see, when we think of Charles Spurgeon, we don't think about his own personal life. All that we remember about Charles Spurgeon, for example, is his service of the Lord. That the Lord blesses the service, that the service, the work of God is remembered. Leonard Ravenhill. What do you know about Ravenhill? 
D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, George Mueller, Andarm Judson, Eugenia Price, Amy Carmichael, Mary and Martha. What, what, what all these individuals, what do you remember about them? Their service of God. Because that's what God blesses. That's what lives on in the memory. God blesses the washing of his feet. God blesses the washing of his feet. Not yours. The washing of his feet with your tears. And that's what he blesses. And that's what will live on. Not you, your pride, your arrogance, your life, your scheming, your planning. No, only the washing of his feet. And if you will not bow to wash his feet, you'll be forgotten to the fog of indifference. Because God resists the proud. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. This is what it's about. Discipleship, Christ-likeness, is following our master, and you don't call the shots. You are not the judge. As you see, the, some disciples said, Master, there's these ones over here using your name but not following us. Would, you, would, you, would it please you if we called down hellfire upon them? And the Lord says, You know not what spirit you're of. I've not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. Grace and faith, grace and faith, even in dealing with those you disagree with, dealing with others of other beliefs, dealing with the brethren, dealing with its grace through faith. It's about building up edification and exhortation in the word of God, by the spirit of God, to the, of the, by the power of God, to the glory of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And the moment you try to take any of the limelight, God's going to resist you. You understand? Do you understand? Life's short, serve the Lord. Life is short, stop resisting. Stop fighting. Stop trying to make it about yourself. Stop making the plans. Stop scheming. Stop being a prodigal. Only pride. Pride of flesh, pride of life, the pride of the eyes, the pride of flesh, the pride of devils, the pride of the world would do that. Would resist the Lord and make it about you to focus on you and about your entertainment, your joy, your comfort, your feelings, your health, your power, your plans, your job, your everything. That's what the flesh wants. That's what the world wants. That's what the world keeps saying about how, how, how we need to live, live up our lives. Make it about ourselves. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Tomorrow we may die. And that's why I want to serve the Lord today. So when the grim reaper comes knocking on your door, I pray that I will have no regrets. So I'll open the door. Oh, it's time? Yep. All right, let's go. No regrets. No regrets. I left it all. That's what I strive to do. That's what I want. Not, not to make it about me or it's about me and my achievements or anything, but, uh, but so that the glory of the Lord will reign on that when people do remember me and if they do all they remember is the preaching all they remember is the lifting of the Lord all they remember is the magnification of the gospel of Jesus Christ not me how will people remember you <laughs> 
just take a somber moment. Take a somber moment and really think about it. Are people going to remember you? And if so, what are they going to remember? Let's take a moment. Now, what will they remember? Does it bother you that it won't be much about the service of the Lord, if that's the case? Does that bother you? What can you do to change that? What can you do to change that? Now, words are cheap. This is the context of James. This is the context of James. How can I change that? Words are cheap. Words are cheap. You can say you love the Lord. You could tell everybody in your whole towns that every single individual of your city can hear and know that you're a Christian. But what did you do to prove it? What did you do to leave the lasting remembrance. So when they remember you, they, all, they don't remember you just saying you're a Christian, but they remembered the Christian power. The power of Christianity. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of salvation. The doctrine of grace and faith. The ways of the Lord. The righteousness of God. Uh, this is what they remember. How can you cause this to be your epitaph? What is your epitaph? Will your epitaph be the gospel? The ep not the epitaph that they'll write on your tombstone. I'm talking about the epitaph of the mind, of the individual's remembrance of you. The individual's remembrance of you. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. It's the Lord's will, the Lord's guidance. It's whatever, whatever he calls, whatever he says. And here's the other thought. It's just, this is, this is just a thought. This is just my thoughts. A personal theory I wonder about. Is it possible that maybe if you are faithful in actual sincerity, you think it's possible that the Lord could extend your life because you are faithful and you're serving him in faithfulness. So he gives you more time to do more work. I don't know. I kind of think so. Just some things I've seen in the scriptures, it just kind of causes me to wonder about that. Because I do see about another passage about children honor your parents and the Lord for this is right, that thou mayest live long upon the earth, that the Lord can shorten your life in disobedience. To, to, well, what about the inverse? 
If the Lord can shorten your life because of disobedience, is not the inverse also possible then that the Lord could increase your life because of obedience? Not obedience to get a longer life, but, but it's just he rewards because of your loving, honorable faithfulness. That your life is borrowed time. Your life is borrowed time. So, some things to think about. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 27 just for a moment. Proverbs 27. That's Psalms. I want Proverbs. Oop, that's Isaiah. I want Proverbs. Alright, uh, Proverbs 27. Look at this, verse 1. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You have no idea what's, what's coming down the road. This is also why the Word of God tells us about His mercies are new every morning. See, even, even to the point where I've talked about this, you may have messed up today. And you and you would be fretting, oh, this is gonna to impact tomorrow. I gotta to go to work tomorrow, and I did this and this happened, and all this happened. And you're playing the psychic game of foretelling the future of what is gonna happen because of events that happened today. But the Lord says his mercies are new every morning, that, that unto the day is the evil thereof, that the Lord is able to even cause the next day to be completely different than what you think it will be. That your your failures and mistakes and problems of today won't even impact tomorrow. If you trust them. That the Lord is able even to alter time itself and events and things and cause days to be completely different than what you think. That the Lord is the master of time and space, not you. That the Lord is able to alter the outcomes, not you. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You have no idea how the end of the day is going to be. You're having an awesome time right now. But you have no idea that a Mack truck from hell is barreling around the corner is about to smack you at the end of the day. You, this is why we need to keep ourselves close to the Lord and trust the Lord and keep ourselves in the joy of the Lord. So when trouble does come, we rejoice in tribulation. We rejoice in tribulation. We rejoice in persecution. We rejoice in hardships. We endure all things to the joy of the Lord because the Lord is the one that parts the Red Sea. He's the one that deals with Egypt. He's the one that shuts the lion's mouths. He's the one that stays the fire of the burning fiery furnace. He's the one that raises the dead. He's the one that can change the day. He's the one that alters the minds and the hearts. He's the one that can change the whole families. He's the one that saves your husband. He's the one that saves your wife. He's the one that saves your family. He's the one that can change the day. He's the one that forgives the sins. He's the one that does it all we serve him where he don't make the plans we don't the, the schedule we don't work it out we don't do it we have no idea how to alter anything stop trying stop trying we're talking clay he's the potter and he's not only just molding us he's molding our days he's molding our lives 
He's digging out the stones in the pits. Sometimes it hurts, but it's needful because he is the one that's crafting it. We don't uh, sorrow over troubles because these troubles are, are opportunities to see God at work. Why are you sorrowing over an opportunity to see God work? What kind of insanity is that? Sorrowing over hardships, grieving over over uh, 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 troubles, and uh, and uh, going crazy over these challenges coming in. But these are opportunities to see God work. It's our outlook. Like I talked about this past Sunday. My message is past Sunday. Is trusting that the Lord is able to change the outcome like like uh, John the Baptist. He gave it all to the Lord. Making the crooked way straight. Dying to self, forsaking all, following him. What? does that look like making it about us and our religion our mysticism our power our abilities making it about my feelings what i think i feel i believe is the height of arrogant pride and it's so far from the lord it is so far from what the lord has decreed for that you ought to say If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. To surrender our will to his. To surrender our will to his. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Rejoicing in our achievements. Look what I did. Look what I achieved. Look what I gained. Look what I got. What I did. What I planned. All such rejoicing is evil. The moment you start rejoicing over yourself and your hands, your power, your craft, your forge, that's evil. That's what it says right there. That's what it says right there. Would you not rather give God the praise? It's not your ministry, it's his. You didn't build it. He did. And just as he gave it, he could take away. The, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it's actually almost makes me choke up when I think about it. How many of you remember uh, my, my old dog, Joker? My Greyhound Joker. She is the sweetest thing. At the time when, when we got her, uh, we really needed her. She she was kind of a, a comfort dog. I was going through a really hard time at the time, and, and she was a, a comfort dog uh, to help me with uh, stress and all this, and she really did help. She was so sweet, just the perfect creature. The Lord gave her to us. Literally gave her to us. <laughs> so that The Lord provided all the, the money, the finances, the stuff, everything. Every every vet bill that we wound up having, the Lord literally would provide the funds, everything. It was the Lord's dog, and he gave her to us. She lived with us for several years, and then uh, she got cancer and passed away. And 
It seemed seemed short, too short. But uh, what what happened immediately following? We noticed that the Lord took her at the exact right time because the time coming we fell into uh, some issues and stuff where we would not have been able to handle having her. That the Lord gave and the Lord took away and then when we were burying her I literally couldn't think of any words to say but through the tears I, I all, all I did say was the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away blessed be the name of the Lord that's just what came to my lips at her grave because it's the truth all good things are from the Lord. The Lord makes the plans. He knows the date, the time, the circumstance, the events, the situations, everything. All good. And he knows how to, how to control through the bad. He can calm the storm. He can help you walk through the storm. He knows exactly what to do in all situations. Trust him. Look to him. Praise him. All hail King Jesus Praise the Lord anyways. Give him the honor and the glory. Stop living unto yourself, making it about yourself, focusing on yourself, and start focusing on the Lord. Don't look at your death. Don't look at your life. Don't look at anything about you. You look to him. Look to him. Like what I tell people is, I don't plan on dying. Now what I mean by that is, I, in my mind, I do not see myself ever dying. I'm going to live for the Lord. And I don't even look at my death. My, uh, I, If it happens, it happens. But I'm not even going to look at it. Because I'm going to focus on life and living unto the Lord. I don't care if I live to, li live to my birthday or if I live for another hundred years. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I'm not changing anything but my attitude towards His control. It's about him. And if the Lord extends my life or shortens my, li my life, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's his call, his shot. I'm not going to look at it. Whether, whether I'm healthy or sick, rich or poor, strong or weak, I'm his. Serve the Lord. Stop making it about you. Praise the Lord anyways. He's the, he's the one that controls all things, helps you through all things, calls the shots of all things. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Don't boast about yourself. Boast about him. It's the boast of Christ. It's the boast of Christ. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And you know. You know what's right and what you should do. You know what you need to do. Stop fighting him. You know you need to surrender to him. You know you need to believe on him. You know you, you need to give all things to the Lord. Why won't you? Why wouldn't I want to? Why wouldn't I want to? I know this is good. I know it's right. And refusing to do it is sin. Him that knoweth to do good. And doeth it not to him it is sin. You know you should give that to the Lord. You know you should cut this thing off. You know that you should, you should surrender all to the Lord. Why won't you? 
Psalm 19. Let's go to Psalm 19. There it is. Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13. Who can understand his errors? Let's just break down one point at a time. Who could understand his errors? What are your errors? Your frailties, your weaknesses. You think you understand it all? You think you know all of, all of your weaknesses? You understand that there's many things about your life that, that you do in ignorance, not understanding that it's against the Lord. Thus, secret faults and presumptuous sins, sins of ignorance. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let them not have dominion over me. That, Lord, if there is anything in my life, that, Lord, you would show me, you would help me, you would teach me. Lord, that you convict me, you would change me. Would you be willing to pray that? Lord, if there is anything in my life, would you deal with it? Anything in my life that is against you or your word, would you take it away? Would you be willing to pray that and mean it? Who can understand his errors? The Lord will show you, you'd be like, wait a minute, how, how is that wrong? I had no idea that was wrong. What if to the Lord it is? Whether attitude or entertainment or, or work or practice or something or whatever, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Or it could even be an understanding of something that you understood something wrong and you would have swore up and down and backwards and through the middle that this is the way it is. And But what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Would you be willing to alter yourself? Would you be willing to allow yourself to be changed? Well, you may say yes. You may say you have faith. This is what James is talking about. This is what James is talking about. Our presumption, presumptuous faults, secret sins. He's talking about discipleship and Christ-likeness and about us drawing that much closer to the Lord. And how we get things twisted up and wrong all the time. We think we know how it should go. We think we got it all wired down. We think we know all the answers. We have all the plans. We have all the wisdom. How about you don't know anything? How about if any man thinks he knows anything, he doesn't yet know as he ought to know, as the word of God says. That in actuality, you don't know anything. All, all we do know is what he tells us from the word of God. And we learn. And we keep growing in grace. That we are children. In the eyes of God, 
We're children. Children think they know everything, don't they? They think they know everything. And they, they, they battle and argue with their parents all the time. They think they know everything. But we're just like that. And when, is a, when does a child become wise? When they start to listen. When they start to listen. They stop talking and they start listening. But isn't that what James said in chapter 1? Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Let, be, let today be the day of salvation from yourself. The day of salvation from ourselves. You see, there's salvation from sins, and we are born again saved, but then there's salvation from ourself. What do I mean by that? Dying to self. Dying to self where we're free from our own control. Free from our own arrogance. And this is a continual fight. Refusing to allow our flesh to retake the throne. Surrendering to the will of God in all things, in everything that we do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. Because you know, I know, and you know, this is right. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James chapter 4. What are your thoughts? So that wraps up James chapter 4 and uh, awful lot to think about. Again, James is talking to Christians who are already saved and he's talking about charity and Christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith, not maintenance of salvation. James, the book of James is not salvationary. The book of James is regarding discipleship and Christ likeness. And we're going through, we see James is really, really, really hitting on the button he's really uh, uh cutting us to the core on this again is just the way he focuses on all these aspects of our character and our personalities and our fleshly desires the way he calls calls us to remembrance of these things is just he doesn't pull punches and that's what we need we need to stop tippy-toeing around the word of god I mean, just call it out for what it is. Say, look, th this is what the Word of God says. Sin is still sin. The cross is still rugged. Hell is still hot. Salvation is still by grace through faith alone. Jesus Christ is still God, and this is what it is. Thus saith the Lord. We need to get ourselves right with the Lord and make their crooked ways straight. So we examine our lives. We examine our lives. Is there anything in our lives that by the standard of the Word of God... The things in our lives, would they be crooked? Our view, our insight, our attitude, our character. Something in our practices, our hobbies, our interests, home life, work life, private life. Is there something crooked? How do we make it straight before God? How do we make it right before the Lord? Give yourself to the Lord. Fall before the Lord. Ask him to show you, to reveal it to you, and surrender to the Lord. If the Lord says this uh, X, Y, Z, or whatever it is, then so be it. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord makes the plans. The Lord schedules the day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? There we go. Any thoughts, comments, questions, issues, insights, anything at all, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Um, again, it's quite a study going through James. There's so much information in here, and uh, we still got another whole chapter to go. So I hope that you're enjoying this. Again, folks, please uh, be uh, uh, keep this in mind. Like I said at the beginning of the video, uh, there will not be a Q&A tomorrow, January 6th, Saturday. Uh, uh, so we got to uh, drive into the city tomorrow. So please be praying that all will go well and we'd be safe on, on the winter roads driving into the city. I also plan on taking a ton of gospel tracks uh, and I try to hand uh, as many out as I possibly can. So please be praying about that and for safety in that because there's an awful lot of people in the city that violently don't like the gospel. So uh, please uh, be praying for us in that for safety and uh also, if, if I could ask you folks to please be praying for uh, my dad, as uh, Pastor Paul, as he's been having some uh, health uh, troubles, some heart problems. Uh, so if you please be praying for him, that uh, the Lord would strengthen him and uh, heal him and encourage him. And uh, he would get some good rest and peace. Uh, so please be praying for Pastor Paul. Uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up there if there's nothing else. As... Uh, we just wrapped up uh, James chapter 4. And if you have any comments, questions, any of that, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you need to contact us, you can do so from our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all other accounts and platforms, as well as a contact us link on there. So you can send us an email if you're looking for something or looking for advice or whatever else. Let us know. And on our website, christiancoffeetime.ca, we got free downloadable gospel track PDFs and e-tracks. So you can uh, print those up, hand them out, and email them around. Get out to everybody. And like I said before, go on our website, get the downloadable e-tracks. Download the PDF. And I challenge you to send an, a gospel email to every single person in your email address book. Everyone. Send, send one to everybody. Even if they're Christians, it'll be an encouragement to them. And you're sharing with them the link so they can share it to others and challenge all other Christians in your circle of influence to do the same. Let's let's see if we can spread across the whole world uh, with the gospel via email. Why not? Let's do it. So there you go. This is some ideas. Get busy about it. No regrets. Don't say, oh, I wish I had of. Just do it. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Put to death the influence of the flesh. And serve the Lord in fear and trembling. Serve the Lord. Praise his name. All hail King Jesus. So with that, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining, folks. God bless you. I hope there's been encouragement and a blessing to you. If it has been, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the notification bell icons. You know, we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons of other goodies and content and everything else there as well. And as always, God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.